Hey guys, welcome back. And this is the lame po- lame talk portion of our show, uh, where we're going to be covering our non DCL related stuff. Uh, here we'll have a few uh, sections covering just other different things that we're going to be talking about, uh, other games that we play, movies, TV, relevant news. Also, we're going to be doing more Q and A, but Q and A that's not related to DCL. So more about us and just in general news around the world kind of questions. Uh, so the first section is called Odd Games, where we'll be covering uh, other upcoming and current games we enjoy. Uh, today we're actually going to be talking about Magic the Gathering and the release of Rivals of Ixalan. Uh, I play, uh, Deepay plays, and Doom also plays. I think we all actually played in a pre-release, so how was your guys' experience with that? Uh, do you want to start, DP? No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, all right. Well, well, geez, no pressure then. All right. So <laughs> I'll start uh, Rival- on. I don't care. <laughs> Rivals of Ixalan, right? Pretty, pretty extreme. You got that uh, favor of the city, is it called, right? Uh, city blessing of the city. City's blessing. Yeah, yeah city's yeah, blessing. Right. So that's surprisingly a big deal. I think it's going to be a big deal in the beginning. I think it's going to either gradually fade out or define the meta. But outside of that, uh, I don't know, uh, trumpet effects or effects, whatever you want to call them. Those are pretty good. You can choose your uh, thing like pirates, vampires, so on and so forth. They get buffs, and if you get the Blessing of the City, you get extra buffs. Like uh, I had one that gave all my guys Vigilant. I had another one that whenever I played one, I would get another card and, you know, it, I can definitely see that being one of those things that everyone just kind of finds a way to fit into their deck. As far as the actual things go, uh, Merfolk seem okay. I, I don't know. I'm not impressed. Dinosaurs seem like they're probably going to be the big thing, especially when you combine them with the Ixalan uh, set before it. And then, because, uh, you know, you have that uh, Dinosaur Planeswalker, and he looks like he's definitely going to be a game changer with some of the new cards that are coming out. Uh, vampires look like they're vampires, same as they always have. Fantastic if you have the right setup, but if it falls apart, it falls apart hard. And what was the other one? Pirates, right? Did I didn't say pirates? Yeah. I didn't say pirates. Uh, pirates seem to be taking a weird direction. They're definitely becoming more of an artifact-based thing rather than a swarm or a... Uh, they're based around the treasures, right? Having treasures. Yeah. 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 So basically, they're definitely going to be one of those big ramp, like, oh, I've got an extra 800 billion mana because of all these treasures. And the treasures count as permanents for City's Blessings, so they're definitely going to be the highest acceleration. I just don't know if they're going to have that big payoff towards the end. What do you think, Ogre? Yeah, actually, you know, looking at constructed formats, uh, not necessarily just draft or pre-release limited and stuff like that. Uh, looking at constructed formats, fish actually look very strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. Uh, I know DP, you're real high on them right now. Love I myself, <laughs> I, I myself am a huge dinosaur nerd since birth, so I've been trying to make dinosaurs work as best I can. Uh, one thing a friend of mine pointed out actually, though, you could build a vampire shell. And there is a like four card infinite combo in standard right now, and they're all like uncommon. Uh, is it the one with like uh, life gaining? Well, like the guy who untaps with life gaining? It's uh, 
It involves the Bantu's monument, mm -hmm. the vampire that you can cast from your graveyard if you gained a life oh, this yeah, turn. Yeah. I, I know that combo, yeah, yeah. And then the uh, the other vampire that, or not the other vampire, uh, what was the other part? Oh, the uh, the pirate that poops out a treasure when a guy dies. Yep. So you basically recycle uh, you recycle the treasure into him, and you have a bunch of into the battlefield triggers, right? So DP, are you there? Oh wait, you cut out. Hold on. But anyway, you yeah, you you uh, cut out you there. stack the guy to a free sack outlet like you henny, mm -hmm. and then because you use the Bantu's monument to gain a life that turn already. And, it, and then you cast the vampire from the graveyard for one black, you which you got from the treasure because of the reduction of the Bantu's monument. And you just drain them out. So you it. just keep cycling through it. You just drain them out. Yeah. And it fits right into a vampire aggro shell. It's definitely a aristocratic type of deck too. So, and those decks have always been really good. Yeah. And if you think about tokens, for example, it's already a black-white deck. You could just shoehorn that in too if you wanted to. Yeah, you could put a catcher's monument that are just fine. Yeah. Well, I, I was actually thinking, was thinking uh, about it. <laughs> I was actually thinking more along the lines of something. Well, I don't know if Pseudo Priest is still in the current meta or not, or not meta in the current rotation. But if Pseudo Priest yeah, is going to modern at that point, oh man, because I was going to say Pseudo Priest or Blood Artist, sticking them in there and just like quick burn your opponent down yeah, doing it. You don't have anything like that right now, it's unfortunately. Too, yeah, because they I we think just it, rotated out Zoom yeah. for Cutthroat. I mean, they. I think that they made a point of not creating characters like Blood Artist or Zulaport uh, Cutthroat because of uh, the 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 easy like the easy to build aristocrat style combo decks. And even though mm -hmm. uh, we have black white sort of tokens right now as a deck, uh, there you don't really see aristocrats that often. When I say aristocrats, for those who don't know, it's a uh, based around a type of mechanic that involves sacrificing creatures and getting a, a bonus from that rather than have be, it being a detriment to yourself. But um, mm. anyways, what it was actually my first EDH deck. <laughs> I was going to say I, I built a Sequoir. <laughs> uh, about Rivals of Ixalan, I actually didn't get to play a technical pre-release on in paper, but uh, I got to play it on Magic Online when it was released, uh, as soon as it was released the day of. Um, but my experience with Rivals of Ixalan, it, it's mainly been you know playing limited, drafting a lot, and playing sealed. Uh, I feel that in sealed, it really hasn't changed too much from uh, what it was in previous Ixalan format, Ixalan only format, which was basically dinosaurs everywhere. Like, because the, the format is a lot slower, than draft because you just open what you get and uh, removal is kind of limited often and you feel like you know you're just sort of playing a lot of clunky creatures so if you're already playing a bunch of clunky creatures then well uh, dinosaurs are the best in that in that sort of realm right um, mm -hmm. looks like uh, Doom, Doom's on his way out so say yeah. good night Doom <laughs> yeah good night guys yeah uh, Have a good one, Doom. And then, uh, what was I saying? Uh, in terms of draft, I felt like, in a way, it has changed the format a lot, but in another way, it hasn't changed too much in terms of what's the best archetype. I still feel like Merfolk is the best archetype in draft, just because they have a lot of uh, a lot of really good commons and uncommons. Really, really, really good commons. And uh, mm -hmm. vampires have gotten a lot of support. So I feel like vampires definitely up Yeah, vampires got a lot. Yeah. And pirates have definitely made... Uh, like, the thing about pirates that I found interesting is there's two different paths you can take. Or pretty much three different paths, maybe. You can be either 
uh, blue red, blue black, or red black pirates, or even you know three color Grixis pirates. But uh, the direction is either you're gonna and they all play differently. Yeah, they all play differently. Red black super aggressive, uh, low to the ground. Uh, red blue is uh, aggressive flyers um, and a lot of tempo spells and burn spells. And the Grixis is sort of like a semi, somewhat board control. They've got a lot of removal, a lot of discard going. So yeah, all, overall really good, uh, yeah. uh, really good flushed out set. I feel. Doom mentioned earlier before he left um, about the city's blessing and it being an important mechanic. I think it's definitely important for limited. The only reason why I don't think it's super super relevant for constructed formats is because it's only in one set. It's not even in the whole block. It's just in that one set, and I think that's good personally because. If it was available in Ixalan from the get-go, it could be like the next energy, if you think about it, right? It could be the next sort of mechanic yeah. that sort of breaks a constructed format. So I think that the fact that they've put it only in one set was definitely a good idea. So Speaking of energy, yeah, we have the recent bannings. <laughs> it's actually, I'm actually very happy that this happened because I get to play standard now. <laughs> I, right? No, yeah. That's kind of how actually, I feel, too. I actually played Standard for a while, but then stayed away because sort of it was all energy. I had an energy deck, actually, but I was just bored. I have I have all the cards to play, like the previous Standard format. I just didn't want to play energy because it's boring, right? And, yeah. you know, it's just tons of mirror matches. I just don't like it when formats are just, you know, like that. And if I have a choice, I'll just stay away from it. But now, the, it's wide yeah, open. Yeah, there was only, like, two decks in, yeah. in Standard during that time. It was Remanap or what beat Remanap. Pretty much, yeah. And it's another reason why they banned uh, some uh, Ramnap red cards uh, at the same time banning the energy cards because they felt that if they yeah. took away energy, then it's going to be everyone's going to be playing Ramnap red. So they preemptively, uh, you know, kept you see, under, under lock. I, I understand taking away Ramnap ruins, mm -hmm. but why Ferocidon? I, uh, I'm so confused by that one. Because Ferocidon shuts off, uh, basically shuts off vampires already, but any sort of life game strategy, any strategy where, like a control based strategy, uh, renewed faith won't see mm -hmm. play because of that card for example um, there's a lot of cards yeah. that it by itself just being there on aggressive 3 mana 3 3 body is already really good for an aggressive deck and you're just tacking on this ability it's just really really you know cheap and efficient for what it's supposed to be doing so and well no I, I get that but like I, he didn't seem like he was that oppressive I feel like um, maybe, sort of, maybe they did it preemptively my, my take on his ban on the ban for Ferocidon is sort of the same uh, way that they banned um, what's his name Reflecting, Ref Reflector Mage so ah, okay. they, they banned Reflector Mage preemptively because they felt that the blue white decks or the blue white control style decks or um, what's that word collective company decks would be too good before like with that card yeah. hanging around right so they preemptively mm -hmm. banned that so even though for example if Ferocidon sorry if uh, they cut out most of Mono Red but left Ferocidon in, Ferocidon would still just make a huge impact on the game. And I think they test this stuff. So I'm sure that they saw that this card was too oppressive for certain things, you know, like vampires probably just wouldn't well, like exist it if that completely card completely neutered the Oketra deck. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So which is you know, I get that. I think it's Anointed Procession Oketra was annoying. You know, Tinfoil had on, I think because that they want to push a lot of these new tribes going forward, like vampires and pirates and so on and so forth. Um, if one card sing single-handedly wipes out a whole tribe, like vampires, that's not really good for your, like the marketing of your new set, right? So you want yeah. to test out these, you know, pushed vampires. Yeah, because a lot of the vampires have to gain life in order exactly. to... Right. 
So for them to actually have value. So there you go. Um, but in terms of like these tribes, like I'm actually really, really excited for standard uh, going forward, mainly because uh, my favorite type of standard constructed formats have always been tribal formats, like formats where oh, yeah. hoblins oh, yeah. was really good, elves were really good, merfolk were good. So those are the, like the three tribes that I you know pretty much fell in love with, and the reason why I started playing Magic in the beginning. I think everyone at some point in their life played an elf deck, right? Or uh, a goblin yeah. deck or something, right? So I played all the tribes if I could, you know, if they were good and competitive at any point. So this is another time for me to like sort of get back into things. Oh man, fish is good. I'm gonna play fish. Like fish is awesome. So yeah, and uh, yeah, I was I was forcing goblin tribal during first Zendikar set. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird time to put so. goblins in there. Yeah, but okay. Yeah, I get that. You had some good goblins back then, man, and it worked. It was fast. Yeah. Like turn four kills, everybody was trying to play Titan, yeah. and I'm just like, you're dead on turn four. So, <laughs> good um, luck. Yeah, cool. Like people would land their Titan, and I'd just be like, you're dead. <laughs> I just swung for forty three, and they're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like it was so it was it was first Zendikar and uh, Scars of Mirrodin. So oh, okay. I was yeah, uh, cool. I was exploding with uh, the Koldatha Rebirth before that deck ever actually popped up. So you were playing the Koldotha red deck, like sort of with the... I wasn't. I wasn't playing the Koldotha red deck. Oh, I see. I was playing straight goblins. tribal goblins before the Koldotha red deck ever actually popped up. Oh, I see. That deck might have been a turn faster, but it was a lot less consistent. No, yeah, just, that was a glass My deck was just super consistent. That deck was more of like a glass cannon sort of explosive style deck, so... Yeah, whereas my goblin deck, my version that I had, was just super consistent. Like every time, turn three or four, you were dead. I remember that that construction. I won. I won for nine months straight locally, just wrecking people. The thing about that constructed format that I remember the most was playing in. Uh, that was a time when I was on the Pro Tour circuit still, and I was playing in Grand Prix Barcelona, and Grand Prix Barcelona was uh, standard constructed when it was the Cobblade meta game, right? It was basically Jace, yeah. uh, Stoneforge Mystic. Um, and co- and uh, I can't, can't remember what the bird's name is. Uh, Squadron Hawk. Squadron, Squadron Hawk. Right? Yeah. So I was in a house with a lot of other pros. Um, then we and a lot of the people that were testing with us together were, were playing Cobblade. I decided to go with Boros. I decided to go with mm-hmm. uh, Step Lynxes and Goblin Guides and just kill you, get you dead fast, right? <laughs> and yeah. the one thing that I remember was. Uh, after the three round buys, uh, in the fourth round of the of the the Grand Prix, I got paired against a friend of one of the roommates in the, in the house that we were we were testing in, and he was from. Uh, <laughs> I, we were testing with the Czech players, and he was from Slovakia. So he was a Slovak player, but they're they're all like in the same community, right? So they talk to each other. Mm-hmm. They talk to each other on Facebook and Twitter, and it's like, oh, what are you playing? What are you, what's good right now, right? And. Everyone's like, oh, Cobblade, uh, are you playing it with black or not? And like, that's basically the only thing people were talking about, like how to tweak Cobblade. I was on Boros. Right. He knew that I was in that house. So he was on Cobblade. <laughs> so he, he, uh, won the, he won the die roll, looked at his opening hand, mulliganed, kept his six, right? And the reason mm-hmm. why he mulliganed is because he saw uh, a bunch of Day of Judgments then, he thought it wouldn't, it wouldn't be good. He mulliganed the way. And then he said, all right, uh, Island go. My turn, I went, Mountain Goblin Guide go <laughs> attack for two. He's like, crap. <laughs> <laughs> He's like looking at his hand has like no removal in it. 
He's like, I'm about oh, to man. spells. He's like, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know? He's just like... Yeah, and that oh. was the thing. Like, I'd run my goblin deck against the people that were playing Cobblade locally, and they would just crumble to it just because they couldn't do anything. Like, they'd play their stone forge, I'd bolt it and swing in for 10. Yeah. So oh, that was a good time. But I was I was on like the Bushwhacker Coldotha Rebirth on turn three. Yeah. Just that that was one of those examples though of that situation where you know like even though you think you know you have like the insider info, it backfires on <laughs> completely. It's like oh everyone yeah. else is playing call. Never never assume. Exactly. Never assume. Yeah. And that's something I've learned, you know, playing is you never assume. You may have heard something from somebody, never assume anything. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay, on on another MTG related topic, um, they've actually started previewing the MTG Arena uh, economy system. So, for those of you who don't know, MTG Arena is Wizards of the Coast uh, version. Uh, I wouldn't say version, but their take on Hearthstone. I guess they're equivalent to sort of compete against Hearthstone in that realm, and uh, they've released their their take on the economy system that they're going to use for that now. The big takeaway from that is that it seems that uh, it's mostly going to be free-to-play friendly, meaning they, they've uh, actually explicitly said that the only things that you would actually have to pay outright for, like with real-life money, are cosmetic things. So I'm guessing something like, you know, uh, deck backs or graphical changes, uh, but things that wouldn't really hinder or change the way you play the game. They said that everything in the game in terms of cards can be accessed if you play long enough. So, you know, it's a really good thing for uh, people who just want to test and try out Magic for the first time. Definitely, I think it's a good a good move for them. Uh, what do you think about MTG Arena? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it myself. I have a friend who's actually in the beta. Uh, oh, yeah. He's I've been talking about it a little bit, so... I'm getting excited for it. Do you I'm know, hoping, hoping do, it does. Does your friend know if it's only like on PC or will it be cross-platform like Hearthstone, like on tablets and smartphones and stuff? You know, I didn't actually ask him that. I, I probably should. <laughs> like that's the main thing that I think that uh, will keep a lot of... I'm, I'm hopeful that it's right. cross-platform. Yeah, because that's the only reason why people play Hearthstone. Oh, well, not the only reason, but one of the big reasons is because they can play it anywhere. Right, you can be at home on your computer, yeah. and you you can be uh, on the couch on your iPad on your play it iPad. on your phone. Right, and you can be on the go, right, on your phone. So that's awesome. Um, but yeah. Oh, hey, I got twenty minutes for the train ride, so let me just play some Hearthstone real quick. Yeah, I got a couple hours before my plane uh, my plane takes off, so I'm gonna get a draft in. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But from what they were describing on the wizard site, and you guys can go check out uh, their announcement on the official wizards uh, the 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 mothership site uh they said that they have like this version of dusting that is a uh, what's common in hearthstone for cards that you have in excess so that cards that you would get in excess in your collection would really have nothing like would serve no purpose generally uh i think magic's take on it is that you get sort of like a progression <coughs> into what they're calling the vault and the vault is i'm guessing just a horde of cards or special things and once you get uh once your progression maxes out it opens the vault and then you know you get what's inside and then it resets so it's a it's like dusting but not exactly like dusting uh so i don't know it's interesting we don't really know the the ins and outs of it yet but you know it's something to look forward to well they may not know the ins and outs of it to be fair that's true <laughs> definitely the case <laughs> so um like, yeah but in terms of mtg anything else you want to talk about um no I, I think the rival set is going to be good i think it's going to be good so that's about all i got 
cool. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing more drafts. I've played about a dozen so far, but uh, I don't think that's going to be the end of it. Can't hear you, DP. Oh, hold on. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I said uh, I'll be looking forward to uh, to playing more drafts. I've had a dozen or so drafts right now, but uh, it's not the end of the fishes for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, on to the next section, which we were going to call... The DP swimming with the fishes and I'm going stomping <laughs> with the dinosaurs. <laughs> what would be the, uh, the vampire equivalent? <laughs> I, I, Just don't I, glitter during the daylight. I don't care. <laughs> okay. Uh, shout outs to you. Oh, no. I got it. Fans. I got it. I got it. It's, it's I wear my sunglasses at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Okay. So uh, the next section we were going to talk about uh, was uh, covering TV and movies, which we're calling the silver screen. But... Uh, with Doom, uh, if he was going to stick uh, stick around, we were going to talk about uh, Star Wars, uh, since I'm the only one really who watched Star Wars because Doom uh, Ogre hasn't watched it. Yeah, yet. sorry. I'll just I'll just let that <laughs> go for now because you know, overall I thought the movie was decent, but it's not definitely not my favorite Star Star Wars uh, until now. I overall I think the overall ratings haven't been great, and I kind of see why. I would give it probably like a modest seven out of ten, and that's pretty modest. Uh, like, and I think that's me being generous still too. There's good points and bad points in the movie. I won't go into detail because I don't want to spoil too much for those who uh, haven't watched it yet. But I feel like uh, there's a lot of things that they really didn't need to do in the movie. I feel like it was excessively long because of some parts that were just they didn't really serve any purpose. I felt, and uh, you would see a lot of the reviews saying mm-hmm. the same thing. But overall, it was okay. Uh, I probably will feel be, feel better about it uh, after I see episode nine, but the one thing that I will say right. is that after episode seven, I left the movie theater feeling, oh, I can't wait for episode eight. But episode eight doesn't really make me want to get excited about episode nine. So there's sort of that fall off. That's all. Yeah. Um, otherwise, in terms of TV, uh, sorry, movie-related news, uh, they ta- there was the released information about the Justice League Blu-ray deleted scenes and special features reveal. So, in general, uh, for those of you guys who aren't up to date, uh, they talk about uh, adding in a, a scene called the Return of Superman. So, I believe this is the scenes that were cut out involving him, I guess, re-becoming Superman after he's revived. And uh, they introduced a lot of like special features, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that are probably uh, outside of the movie itself that are going to be on the Blu-ray. But yeah, definitely looking forward to picking that up. But unfortunately, it looks like a lot yeah. of people are speculating. No that, Snyder Cut. Exactly. There's not going to be a full Snyder Cut. And if you looked at a lot of what's been leaked on Twitter and on so- other social medias, there were a lot of unfinished scenes, like the cyborg origin scenes and that kind of stuff. I don't think they actually finished those. They just left those off, and they didn't see a reason to put those into the movie because they would look really weird, right? So yeah, I think that they actually had scenes that were finished and cut out, and those are the only scenes that are coming back. And they're probably just all revolving around uh, you know, Superman finding his suit and flying into battle. That's probably my guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a good guess. What do you What do you hope to see in the deleted scenes? Well, I'm not going to get my hope, and that's the Snyder cut. Oh, like, yeah. So, like, because I wanted to see his vision, but I also heard rumor that his vision was to make it two movies, oh. and that Superman was actually supposed to be the bad guy. So, I think we are like I think that uh, 
the his his vision his two his two movie vision involved uh, Dark Side, but Dark Side I think that they're going to put that movie off and have in the Injustice League sort of split that story in half and then Dark Side will come after that. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's it's hard to say. I think that could have been the reason why his direction mm-hmm. sort of like didn't go the way. Uh, well, Warner Brothers didn't go with his direction, right? So yeah. Like, we're gonna make multiple Justice League movies, but we're gonna like parse them out, like and really stagger them, so that we can get the most out of this. I think. Yeah. Um, the one thing. Right, that, and it's the mm-hmm. it's kind of going the reverse way that the Avengers went in that case, because Avengers has kind of always been leading towards Thanos. Right. And this is sort of like dipping away and then coming back. Yeah, so it's a little different. Yeah, I mean, there's some argument about the Injustice League probably uh, being important for the dark side coming. The coming Can't hear you, DP. Uh, hold on. Can you hear me now? Yeah? Yes. Okay. So uh, there's probably something to be said about the Injustice League being important, probably being important for the coming of dark side. So maybe they're the ones who sort of help the dark side come and set up to take over the world, right? So I don't yeah. know could be relevant or Dark Side just be like oh screw you guys you guys are just nothing you're a bunch of insects we'll just crush you uh yeah <laughs> um yeah and that could be another thing is that Dark Side shows up the Injustice League is trying to mess with everybody yeah. and then it turns out that the Injustice League and the Justice League have to team up against him yeah you know I'm, I don't know there's a lot of ways they can go with it true definitely um so Okay, but in terms of other uh, media-related news other than uh, movies, uh, in terms of TV, the CW shows have all started up, so Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, uh, The Legends of Tomorrow, I believe, starts up in February, so we'll have to wait a little bit longer for that one. But we got a new series with Black Lightning in its first episode this week, so... Uh, I think I'm the only one who've, who's actually watched it amongst us so far, but my personal, yeah, feel, <laughs> my personal feel for this show is that it it has a very sort of a African-American projects type of feel, like, you know, someone growing up in the Bronx, uh, sort of the bad side of the, the bad side of the tracks, uh, the wrong side of the tracks sort of uh, storyline. And uh, it, it's sort of like a superhero, Black Lightning, fighting a gang war. That's sort of what I'm, I'm getting at it. The only thing that I, I thought was weird, was the placement of their their city. So they put the the, the the story takes place in a city called Freeland, and I believe now I had to look this up. Black Lightning was actually gr- grew up in Metropolis, so I think that they hmm. didn't want to tie like they could have easily tied that into Supergirl, right? They could have easily tied that into the Superman arc, right? But they wanted, I think WB uh, specifically said that they didn't want to cross over with the other shows, even though it was, sorry, not WB, CW. CW said that they didn't want to cross over with the other shows, and they wanted it to be its own, like, standalone thing. So I think that the potential right, was there. Right, but I, I, think, I think that originally it was stated that it's a different reality. Oh, oh, I see. So it's just like another time and another world, maybe altogether. Yeah, it's it's like another universe, like Universe Forty Seven or something. Oh, okay, that makes sense then. So at least that's what I was under the impression of initially. I can, but if that's the case, uh, then we get into the whole like, what about Flash? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yeah. it it leaves it open for them to do it if they want to, but I I think that them choosing not to is just they don't have to. 
Okay. Whereas the other shows, I'm sure it's a pain in the butt to try and coordinate everything, you know, for that many cast members at this point. But yeah, like the show as it you is, know, like so I don't know. I think the first episode was quite well reviewed, like well, well received by most uh, reviewers online, as uh, as far as I can tell. The feel it feels like you know, the character he's pretty true to the canon so far. He's a high school principal. Uh, he he was Black Lightning at some point in his life. He he put up the he he put up the whole superhero thing for a while, but then he decided to have a normal life. And but now he had to get back into it because some stuff goes down, right? And okay, the idea here is that he's sort of coming back to becoming being a superhero is sort of the process I think he's going through now, right? So I think we're ah, seeing like okay. we're not seeing like the origin story of Black Lightning. It's more of like Black Lightning happened. It's sort of like you know we have Batman, Robin died, and then here's Batman again. <laughs> you know? Right. So and that's interesting because a lot of people don't know. So this is this is kind of the uh, the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, exactly, exactly. This is the third part of the. Like he's been retired for years, and now he has to come back all of a sudden because of exactly something. And I think that probably what the reason why they did this is they they can uh, take this uh, a different way too. They can actually do some sort of prequel episodes where they show sort of like what happened back in the day, and it's it's really cool. He why he stopped being Batman, right? Like uh, those who are fans of Black Lightning are probably going to crucify me for not knowing exactly what's going on in his canon, but the, he's got like sort of this Alfred type of character too. Uh, instead of having a bat cave, he's got a tailor shop. <laughs> but uh, right, <laughs> and the guy has a lot of weapons and stuff that he's working on. Uh, I guess the guy is not really just like Alfred; he's like Alfred and like uh, Lucius Fox put together. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. He's got his all all his his gear, his kit, and him suited up to do what he needs to do so it's really cool i like it and he's sort of like really rough he's a mix he, he comes off a bit batman and a bit arrow he's got that vigilante vibe and he's sort of rough and he just messes people hmm. he's not afraid to just you know get his hands dirty so gotcha so i like it uh i'm pretty hopeful for that so i guess you're waiting for it to come on well i'm looking forward to it to come on netflix eventually yeah. it'll be there soon so like a week or two right <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure. Okay, but um, I think they usually wait for the whole series to to finish the season. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure. So maybe I can find it on somewhere to to watch it. <laughs> the other shows they they sort of kicked off um, pretty much in full swing, and they're in a decent path. A lot of like weird story arcs, but you know could be promising. I don't really know uh, what else to say about that. Um, have, have you been following any of the new episodes for the other series? Uh, no, I'm still trying to catch up on everything. Oh, that's, that's good. That's cool. Um, but, yeah, uh, anything else that uh, cropped up in terms of uh, silver screen TV movies that you want to talk about? Um, not recently. Okay. I, I don't get out much. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. All right, well, let's move on to breaking news then. So in terms of news, um, the only thing that I really want to talk about in terms of uh, what's going on in content creation media is pretty much related to YouTube. And a lot of people uh, over the New Year's probably saw this on, on their social media feeds and even like actual news uh, shows, like news uh, television shows, programs in general. It's all about the people, everyone's talking about the Logan Paul debacle that's going on on YouTube. So for those of you who don't know, Logan Paul is a YouTube uh, a YouTuber who's pretty much 
uh, one of, I guess, the top five or top ten uh, biggest, you know, head honchos, I guess, characters for YouTube. And his whole character is based on being this crazy, in-your-face, in-the-name-of-Mavericks type of guy. And he's just loud and obnoxious and does wacky stuff. He, uh, uh, he recently went to Japan over the holidays and... Uh, he went to a place that is actually quite infamous in Japan uh, called the Suicide Forest, uh, well, nicknamed the Suicide Forest, which uh, surrounds Mount Fuji. And over there, within the first um, couple of hours, he came across a dead body hanging uh, on the forest. And you could have pretty much expected that from a place called Suicide Forest. And just to give you some context about this place, this is a place that uh, people believe is you know either mystical or haunted or enchanted or something where there for some reason even if you didn't plan to actually kill yourself if you walked into that forest you weren't walking back out that was pretty much the end of it and there were a lot of signs around that area saying in Japanese and I think even in other languages now saying to uh, before you enter this area think very long and hard about what you're about to do and if you need to, make sure that you call someone at least or talk to someone before you do so. So it's it's a huge problem in the country, and people it's very 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 well known. And this guy decides to go and make a video, <laughs> walk in there, and hey look, there's a guy hanging on a tree. Let's make a video about it. And throughout the whole editing process and all that stuff, nowhere does it ever cross his mind that maybe I shouldn't upload this onto YouTube. And then he does. And of course, the response to that is like ridiculous. It goes viral. He, he gets slammed by a lot of people. He had to do an apology video. But uh, a lot of people were not so j just concerned about him, but mainly concerned about YouTube in terms of their lack of response or control or punishments to this person in general, uh, mainly because it affects their advertisers and that's where they make their money off. And what this ties into is that YouTube recently, I believe last week, changed their monetization process. Um, previously, to get to the monetization threshold requirement, all you needed to do was for a channel to have 10,000 views in total. So it could be across several videos, it could be on one video, but it wasn't that hard to get to the monetization level to start actually making you know, those YouTube dollars. And that's what everyone, including us, the oddsmen, uh, want to get to at some point because that's you know we're, we're not I'm not saying we're in it to make money but we're not here to just dish out content for free either we love doing what we want to do but the, the goal is at the end of the day to you know have this help us supplement our income too and now YouTube is saying that they changed the threshold to uh, 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours of watch time over the course of 12 months so this is a gigantic jump from what they had before so the reason why people were saying that this has come about is because you have these uh, youtubers like Logan Paul or trying to imitate Logan Paul doing a bunch of like crazy short videos trying to be wacky trying to be nutty and the, they quickly exceeded that uh, 10,000 view threshold and got to the monetization process really quickly and I'm guessing their advertisers were not happy that their content were being advertised on, you know, or being associated with these people. So YouTube had to step in and sort of put uh, a leash on that. So, I don't know. What do you think about that, Ogre? Yeah, it, it's really interesting to see how people react because 
yes, the guy shouldn't have done it. Should people have watched the video? No. Uh, should YouTube have done something faster? Yes. Uh, it's just the whole thing, everything that could go wrong did. And I think there needs to be a lot of really hard discussions at this point about what needs to happen in the future going forward. And I think this is actually just the first step by YouTube is just raising that monetization level. It's just their first step. I think there's going to be additional things coming out of this. It's not done yet. Okay. So. Um, yeah, like, I think there's not much that we really can do about it. Like, we kind of have to just suck it up and, you know, take it. Um, it does hurt small channels like ourselves. Uh, but, you know, it's not something that's impossible because I've been uh, following other podcasters, other YouTube content creators, and a lot of people were talking about this too. And they're saying that while this is a definitely a huge hurdle to, to overcome, you will get there. You will get there eventually. As, as long as you're making content, you're putting it out there, you'll get there. As, and as you know, as you're making yourself known, getting your community, like the important thing now is not so much just making content, but it's also making sure that the community who's backing you is really backing you. That means sharing uh, your content with people they think might also appreciate that in their small circle of friends. You know, if one person tells another person, our 100 subscribers becomes 200 subscribers. That's it. You know, plain and simple. It's quite easy. So uh, the idea here is just to get the word out. That's what's important now. Before, it was just make, you know, some crazy video, make it, ha hopefully it goes viral, and then boom, there you are. But now it's not so much that. Yeah. <laughs> but Yeah. But just a shout out again uh, to plug ourselves. If you guys uh, follow uh, follow us on YouTube, um, if you haven't already, subscribe to us. Give us a like on our videos. Leave a comment. All of that stuff helps us get recognized. So yeah, uh, we're definitely thankful for all you guys that help us that helped us cross that hundred uh, subscriber threshold already. So that was the first step. Yeah, and and I try I try to reply to comments that you make. If you have questions or whatever, I do try to reply. So please. Just, you know, leave a comment, leave a like, tell your friends, you know, it helps us a lot. I definitely try, but I'm on the try end of it, not actually doing end of it. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if, you, if, you post, if you post a comment on my on my videos, I'll definitely get around to it. It still might be me responding. It could also be Ogre responding to, but I'll respond every now and then. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quite busy. I, so. I, I try to identify myself when it's me responding. Yeah. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I'm not saying that I'm lazy. I'm just super busy these days. But yeah. Um, no, I know that I'll, feeling. I'll get around to it. Uh, I'll definitely answer your questions. It just won't be super prompt. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, let's wrap up the news section there and let's finish things off with some questions, uh, what we're calling odd questions. Uh, here, uh, just like the questions from the DCL section, the Game Talk section, we'll answer questions non unrelated to DCL, and pretty much you guys can ask us anything uh, you want. So any of you guys listening right now, feel free to just type out your questions uh, in uh, Discord and we'll answer them. But uh, let's just kick, get things started. Uh, I'll ask a question to you, Ogre, uh, and I'll, okay. I'll answer it myself too. If you could take one trip in a time machine, meaning the, the time machine would break down, afterwards you could only take one trip where would you go so you'd be you see there. you see that's the that's that that's the thing right there is because i was thinking about this earlier i'm like you know a single trip 
it's not even a, a round trip. It's just a single one-way, one-way ticket. Yep. One-way ticket. And the answer is I probably wouldn't. Okay, but if I, if, if I'm asking you if you have to. Let's say you have to save. If I if I was forced into a time machine and the only way to get out of it was to go back in time, uh, you don't have to go back in or, time. You could go into the future or wherever. Mm-hmm. Right, it is to use the time machine. The only way out of it is to use the time machine. Let's say the world and then it breaks apart. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I, you know. Oh man. Which time period would you want to fly, uh, go into? I I think I would probably jump into the future. Okay. Let's say how far into your what uh, future are you envisioning? Far, far. <laughs> Apocalyptic future, like, living on a different uh, planet. No, future. like, like Futurama future. Ah, I see. So a thousand years. So, yeah, probably. So the year three thousand. You no, know, if I'm if I'm gonna be forced to go, I'm gonna just disappear. Okay. So. Now, what are your expectations? I don't want to leave behind. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to jump like five years into the future, and then my daughters are half grown up, knowing no idea who I am. So, <laughs> you know, it's just if I'm gonna go, just send me. I don't. I don't want to. Do, I've done that with the military already, technically. If you want to get, you know, real about it. So, where do you like? What do you, What are your expectations? Let's say you jump a thousand years into the future, like in what do you mean Futurama? So, like, let's say you jumped. A thousand years into the future, knowing that you're going a thousand years into the future, unlike Fry. <laughs> but right. you know, what would your expectations be? Um. Oh, I wouldn't have any expectations per se, but uh, my only hope would be that we haven't killed ourselves yet, <laughs> and that I'm not the only person left on the planet. Okay. <laughs> That's, That's really all it is. That's fair. Now, in my case, uh, to answer my own question, if I were to take the time machine, I'd go to the, into the past. And I would probably go into the past to a certain part of the world. Uh, I would probably go not, I wouldn't say uh, feudal Japan, but Japan before it was Japan. Now, not many people know this, but Japan became a country in the early 1600s. So I would probably go into... Japan during the 14th uh, or 15th century. Uh, The reason why is that period is the most artistic, creative, and peaceful era of Japan before it was actually a country. And that's the period where basically anything goes. Everything was sort of like being developed in terms of like, you know, uh, you know, at that time technology, you know, uh, quote unquote technology Mm -hmm. was being developed at that time. And you could see the whole hierarchy, class system, and the whole social development of the community uh, developing at that period of time. Things sort of like went crazy when you know people started killing each other and going to war with like samurais and ninjas and etc. But that period of time is, and that's pretty much the same for any country. I would want to go to the period uh, for the country that I'm most interested in to see where their development, sorry, I guess their industrial revolution came from. Right, so if I were in North America, yeah. I'd probably want to see the North American Industrial Revolution and see how that happened. So, but I probably the late eight, or the mid eighteen hundreds. Right, exactly. And because I'm um, an Asian Canadian myself, I probably fit in in Japan, so people wouldn't think that I'm a, a, a strange foreigner. <laughs> so the whole Xenophobia. Well, see, my my problem is I'm just big, so I'm going to stand out <laughs> wherever I am. 
<laughs> I mean, you wouldn't be too... I mean, let's say you went back to the time of the, the American Industrial Revolution. You wouldn't be too different from people, right? So that's like... The reason no, why, I, I probably wouldn't be. The reason why... I could I probably, this, you know, if I brushed up on my German, I could probably go back there somewhere too. There you go. But the reason is because, you know, even though we live in a modern era now, discrimination is all is a huge thing back in the day, right? So it doesn't matter where you go. You oh, have yeah. to sort of think about that. And you don't want to go. You don't like. I don't. You don't want to be an African American and going back to the U, the U.S. You know, during the early 1900s, right? It's not a good idea. If you know, you're, you don't want to go back in before that, even. Yeah, even before that, right? So, <laughs> anyways, that was my question. Do you have a question for me? Ask me something goofy. Uh, let's see. Oh well, I'll just go back to my AMA here. Um, somebody asked me what my favorite horror movie was. And I am actually curious on yours. Now, I'm like you. I'm not a huge fan of horror movies, although I watch some, but I'm not, like, super, super into it. Like, if it's on TV, I might You're watch it. Out. Oh, hold on. So, uh, I was saying, like you, I'm not a huge uh, movie fan. Uh, sorry, a huge uh, horror movie fan. But, uh, you know, if it's on TV, I might watch it. If someone uh, wants to go watch it, I might go with them. But I don't have a huge list of movies horror movies that I've actually wanted to watch myself um, I think that a horror movie now um, is it a horror movie that you liked or a horror movie that like scared the crap out of you type of movie <laughs> or either see now technically that answer is not you know separate okay it depends on how you how you view the genre now so. Horror, what do we define as horror? Like something that's scary, something that's... Uh, any Anything that would have a horror, thriller, or, uh, you know, something of that nature as its uh, mm -hmm. classification. So if I were to go with that general classification, then I guess a lot of the classics, uh, like The Shining, uh, Children what? of the Lamb, uh, any of the Hannibal Lecter series. Uh, oh, Silence of the Lambs? Silence, sorry, yeah, Silence of the Lambs. Um, uh, the Hannibal Lecter series, and uh, I guess okay. if I were to take something a little bit interesting, um, and uh, I'm a big fan of Japanese horror, mainly because of the take they have on what the concept of horror is. Now, a lot of North American horror yeah. is sort of like gory stuff, people dying, getting killed by some monster. Yeah, it's, it's violent horror. Japanese horror is psychological. It's stuff that messes yeah. with your head, and it's stuff that could possibly be real. Right, that's what's weird. I'll give yeah. you nightmares, right? So I remember the first time yeah. I watched the first Ring, but the Japanese version of Ring, and uh, oh yeah, Juon, which is the Grudge in English. Those uh -huh. movies are terrifying. So if you wanted to, if you wanted sort of like this retro kick at the same time, go watch the original Ring, like the Japanese Ring. It's pretty old. I think it was like in the early nineties. So the yeah, version right. of the Ring and Ring Two uh, are also uh, quite good, but I would say like just stick with the originals. The originals are really really good. So those are the type of things that will get you thinking, and it'll it'll be it'll give you nightmares. You you don't want to freak yourself out. Yeah, exactly. So I heard also things <laughs> about um, it, like the recent It movie. So people, yeah, I, like, I haven't seen it yet, but I saw the original I've Stephen heard it King really It, and I kind of I was like, it's okay. It, I didn't. I was scared, but not super scared. But everyone's saying like, you know, if you well, it was just when it was made. Yeah, exactly. 
if you appreciated the first one, you're gonna really like the second one. And if you're an, if you're a young person, like if you have if you never had the uh, opportunity to watch the first one, and you watch the second one, you might just be really freaked out. Is from what I was I was told. So, well, what, what, yeah. was, your, what was your answer to uh, the question then? Uh, I actually chose Cabin in the Woods. Ooh. I, I don't know if you've seen that I one. I know of that, but I don't know what it's about. I s- I've seen Okay, it so come up. the concept of it is really interesting. It's really unique. Uh, the concept is it's a group, an, an organization that actually is there to appease the old gods, mm-hmm. you know, and make sure that the old gods stay asleep, right? And in order to do that, they have to have ritual sacrifice. Okay. They have to follow certain rules. Uh... You know, and they have to use these supernatural beings mm-hmm. to kill the the innocents, as it was. Uh, but they have to have certain, you know, typing and you know different things. You know, sort of follow along of every horror movie. Like you have to have the fool, you have to have the jock, you have to have the whore, the token black. You have to have the virgin. <laughs> you have not necessarily that, but like you have to follow the the typing. I see. You know. And so they get this group of people together. They are going to this cabin in the woods, right? For the weekend. Nice vacation getaway. And like, as soon as they get there, you start seeing things that are like really odd and like technologically advanced kind of stuff just going on. And it's just, it's really cool because it's like a behind the scenes of people controlling a horror movie. Yeah. So I, I do highly recommend it. Go see it if you haven't got a chance to. Cool. It's a very different take. I'll probably look it up. Then uh, I, I've seen it come up. Like I don't know why. Is it? It's a bit old. Is it a bit old? What? The the cabin in the woods. Uh, what what was your question? Is cabin in the woods a bit old? Like in terms of? Um, no, it was uh, early two thousand or mid two thousands. I think that's why. Because so maybe ten years old now. Back, yeah, back in the day, I remember working in a blockbuster, and I probably saw that one coming up a lot. A lot. That's why. So that's why I okay. of that movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, so maybe like 10 years old now. But yeah, like, it was really, really good. Definitely something to check out. So. Um, yeah. Okie doke. And then I also put, like, I love the Jurassic Park series. Is that horror? Technically, they're considered thriller. <laughs> sure. I wouldn't call them. So, I, I, don't like, think, I don't think bringing dinosaurs back to life is technically something horrifying. <laughs> no, it, no, but, like, if you if you go back and watch the original Jurassic Park, Mm-hmm. Uh, the scenes with the raptors are pretty terrifying. Yeah, they're pretty scary. The raptors like running through like so, the building and just breaking down doors and hunting people. Yeah, like it, it's terrifying. Yeah, if you you know think about it, like I, Jurassic World wasn't so bad, mm-hmm. but like the original Jurassic Park, those raptors were scary. Yeah, I the only so. thing I remember a lot from the Jurassic Park, the Jurassic Park one, was the T Rex. Uh, Eating the outhouse with the guy still inside, right? <laughs> that's the one. No, yeah, like yeah, that's one of the more famous scenes. Yeah. I, I just uh, like the... but I put those on there, and then I also loved all the Saw movies. Oh yeah, no Saw, but not for the not for the gore, more for the actual storyline of Jigsaw. This, oh, speaking of which, there's a Jigsaw movie out now. I know, and that was actually the follow-up question was if I had seen it yet, and if I had, I would recommend it, and I haven't seen it yet. I want to. It's on your to-do list. So. <laughs> it is cool. Okay, so, cool. but like, I I love those psychological like, oh crap, what would you do? Yeah, you know, what would ogre do? <laughs> right. 
Okay. I'd I'd be dead. I'd, I'll just be honest. <laughs> yeah, probably me too. I, I I probably cave in. I cave out very easily under pressure. Pressure. So I don't make right. Sound yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Well, let's wrap things up there because uh, in the future, like I hope uh, you know, we'll give you we gave you guys an example of uh, kind of what type of questions you can ask us, but you can pretty much ask us anything. Uh, anything goes really. So just uh, whatever you want us. To like answer. if you think it's weird. If you think it's weird, don't worry. We'll determine that. <laughs> exactly. If we think that maybe you're crossing a line, then we just won't ask you, we won't answer, ask your question to each other. But, you know, your question doesn't have to be to all three of us. It could be to one of us too. So, if you want a question yeah, about, exactly. you know, Ogre, his, specifically him himself or me or Doom, that's cool. Just ask us and then we'll get around to it. But anyways, um, yeah, I guess we'll wrap things up there. Uh, Ogre, any final yeah. words? Uh you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to my trip out to to WB San Francisco, and I'm I'm hopeful that they'll let me talk to you guys about it when I get back. Cool. So yeah, we're uh, we're definitely excited for you. I'm personally really jealous because I I want to I just want to be in California right now because it's so cold. Cutting out, <laughs> I can't hear you. Sorry. Uh, I was saying that I'm, <laughs> I'm personally a little bit jealous because I just want to be in California right now because it's really cold in Japan. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I know. Hate mail. He said he was jealous too. He's like, man, I hate you. <laughs> it's all cool. It's He's all like, cool. if I had to, if I had that opportunity, I'd totally jump on it. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I need to make this happen. Yeah. But yeah, well, good luck to you. We're we're all behind you. We're all supporting you. So yeah, hopefully that works out well. Yeah. Well, I've I've already got my itinerary kind of, so I kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah. And it looks really exciting. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm hoping you know that that everything pans out nice and even so that i can do this and hopefully hopefully if all things works out with uh warner brothers and uh you're allowed to do certain things maybe we'll have certain content for uh our youtube channel but no promises yes (laughs) yes i i would like i would like to try to piece together a video diary of that day potentially yeah cool uh so on that note we'll wrap things up there and uh, I guess, like I said in the last part of Game Talk, uh, if you guys haven't already, uh, follow us on social media at Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, uh, and YouTube at The Oddsman. <laughs> and uh, for YouTube, it's youtube.com slash C slash The Oddsman. And uh, if you like the content that we're putting out here, uh, whether on YouTube uh, or the podcast that we put out every month, Consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash the oddsman. And again, uh, as Doom said in the last section, uh, if you have any ideas in terms of merchandise that you might uh, be interested uh, in acquiring, if you want to help support the oddsman, like uh, t-shirts, caps, or whatever, uh, put a comment somewhere, uh, uh, either on SoundCloud or on Reddit or on wherever. We'll get around to it and then uh, we'll note it down and we'll take it into consideration. So hopefully... uh, You'll have some cool swag from us in the future. So, yeah, that's all. And thanks, you. Thanks uh, for listening. And have a good day. Have a good one, guys. Hey, guys. This is Seth Rogen. <laughs> Wanted to give a huge shout out and thanks to everyone for listening. <laughs> Catch us when we go live on Discord and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and SoundCloud at The Oddsman. Feel free to check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash the oddsman for a variety of opportunities to help us grow and provide better content. Thanks again for your continued support. And as always, 
enjoy and grind on.